0: Hey, writers, panel listener. This is me, Ben. Back in December, we put out an episode of this podcast called The Dead Pilot Society Backdoor Pilot, in which uh, we presented The Dead Pilot Society, and we promised that it would become an ongoing concern. Uh, And that is still in the works. We will keep you posted on that as it comes up. If you missed that episode, Dead Pilot Society is uh, a series of live table reads of pilots by established writers that were bought and developed but never shot, so the writers have never heard these pilots performed out loud. Um, it was created by Andrew Reich, former Friends writer, current writer of many things, uh, and he brought me in to help out. On May 25th in Los Angeles at Largo at the Cornet, we're doing our very first live to the public Dead Pilot Society featuring pilots by Matt Gorley of Super Ego and Amanda Lund, co-creator of Ghost Girls, a former guest of this show, as well as a pilot by my writing partner and me, a show that we wrote for USA Network a few years ago that we really love. We're excited to hear it performed live. I can't tell you who is in this yet, but the lineup is going to be fantastic. It's May 25th, 8 p.m. at Largo at the Coronet, For tickets, go to largo-la.com or go to writerspanel.tumblr.com, and that's where I'll be posting all of the information, links for tickets, as well as uh, who the cast is going to be. And it's going to be a really cool cast for these three pilots that we're going to read on the 25th. Hope to see you there. Thanks, as ever, for listening. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writer's Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 400 writers on the show, so go back and check the archives. I'm sure you'll find more creators and more shows that you're interested in. I'm a writer myself, having written with my partner, Ben Acker, for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, FX's Cassius and Clay, among others. We've also written comics for Marvel, Image, Dynamite, and more. We created a show called The Thrilling Adventure Hour maybe you'd like it. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more info. Let me know who you want to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so. Uh, and follow me on Tumblr at writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes. It always makes me feel good about myself. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel Starting now Oh yeah uh, Nicholas Stoller is here Hello Thanks for being here Thank you for having me I've want, You've been on the wish list for a long time Oh No joke that's, oh, that's I really nice like your stuff um, so Thank you so much But Neighbors, well, two, is Neighbors 2 is what Neighbors we're going to talk
1: about That's, that's, all, that's all I'm going to talk about <laughs> Oh, I'm only here I'm to show for Neighbors 2 and to talk about the release date <laughs> um, So you directed the first movie Yes But you did not write it Right, but I did, like, you know, Writers Guild rules are very complicated, and uh, Andrew and Brendan wrote the script, and it was really funny and good, but then I am a writer first and foremost, and uh, I rewrote versions of it. Seth and Evan rewrote Mm -hmm. versions of it, then we all rewrote it together. It ultimately was totally their thing, and they deserve the credit and all of that, but it's kind of my way into stuff. Well, you
0: have this, it feels like from very early on, uh, from, um, from, from, you know, even sort of when we first started seeing your name, you had this very collaborative way of working. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like we know that about you despite <laughs> not even knowing the stuff early on yeah. um, what What leads to this what, what is uh, What is your creative background i don 't usually go this like autobiographical oh, yeah. but I am curious because it does like I said, it feels like you do this collaborative method of of movie making and TV making.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I went to Harvard. I was on The Lampoon. I've always been obsessed with comedy writing. Like, when I was a kid, I watched Saturday Night Live and wanted to write for it. I don't Mm -hmm. even know how I knew that was a thing, but I didn't want to be on it. I wanted to write for it, Um, you know. And I did The Lampoon, and then I I did advertising for a year and kind of applied to shows in New York, and then I moved to L.A. and uh, got onto... There was an Austin Powers animated series that was going to happen for HBO, so that's how long ago this was. uh, And it didn't happen... um, but I got I got hired for it, and then that got me my agent, which then I That's then got hired great. for Undeclared. Was um,
0: yeah, I want to talk about that for a sec because again, I mean, I guess it is this sort of Apatow way of working, you know? where yeah. just it's all the best ideas and yeah, the best everything idea valid. Right, rise to the top. Yeah. Um, but that Austin Powers show, what you know, you had been I assume you had been doing like late night packets and stuff mm-hmm. like that for the New York stuff. Yeah, but. Um, did you have to do, did, were you writing your own material? Were, were you writing
1: pilots? Were you writing specs of existing shows? Yeah, I mean, at the time, I was writing, I wrote some some packets, some late-night packets, a sketch packet for SNL, um, you know, a terrible Letterman packet. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm bad at writing jokes. <laughs> it's, like, actually, like, I'm something It's not my forte, yeah. weirdly. Uh and, um, well, and it's, those are such specific voices yeah. those late night packets so be I hard. think I did a Conan packet. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember reading the uh, Jonathan was it Jonathan Groff not the Broadway actor, yes. but there's a there's a writer friend of the show, John. Yeah, yes, John is, yeah. yes, You know his packet, his his like, because he was head writer, and yeah. you know, and his packet was like the most one of the funniest things I've ever read, and it was kind of just like. Intimidating. How do you get your hands on that? Area agent sends you them oh, okay. to see what you know how to do it. So even yes. back then, when you were applying for these things, you said look. Yeah, well, at I was still there. applying. Yeah, I well, I got an agent through. I didn't have an agent until I got. On the Austin Power Show. And then that got me an agent. Who then, was
0: running that Austin Power
1: Show? It was Donick Carey and Mike oh, no McCullers. Way. Yeah. 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 Donick's an awesome guy. We, we became fast friends. That's so, great. So, yeah. And Mike McCullers, who's also great. And um, yeah. And they, they hired me. I had written uh, two specs um, one for King of the Hill and one for The Simpsons. Donick had come from The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a terrible "just shoot me" spec. <laughs> to main oh, joke. Way. The only concept I had for my "just shoot me" spec was that there was that that the boss whose name I now forgot. Um, anyways, the yeah. boss puts a urinal on his wall. That was my big concept. Listen. It's a good, you know, it's solid. It's, it's a, not it's a great. It's not enough for a half hour, but it's <laughs> enough for like a runner, I guess. But I'm always uh, curious because I mean we're
0: about the same age. Yeah. And, you know, people don't write those specs of existing shows anymore. Yeah, they all write so pilots now. Love to hear what people's specs were.
1: Yeah. Um, what was your uh, Simpsons? My Simpsons was... <laughs> this really dates me. My Simpsons, I think, was all about Y2K. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then... and The King of the Hill one was probably my best one. Mm-hmm. The Just Shoot Me one was never submitted anywhere because it was terrible. It was just awful. Uh, yeah, was the one Simpsons one had funny jokes but was like a mess. And the King of the Hill one was solid, I think. Um, and... And yeah, and I submitted them. I later found out that Donick read the Simpsons one and was like, "This is such a mess, but it has some funny jokes." But it's such a mess. I have to meet this kid. Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, That's great. yeah, and um, and and then a friend of mine, you know, again the Lampoon. I'm not going to pretend I didn't. I did this without the Lampoon. Mm-hmm. The Lampoon has a big network of comedy people, and uh, my old friend Mike Schur, who was writing for Saturday Night Live, had been office mates, who's now you know big TV yeah. guy, um, had been office mates with McCullers at um SNL and had recommended me oh. to the show so that kind of got them to just at least look at my packet of material um and then I remember I was obsessed with Mr. Show as still am um and I walked into the that staff I walked into my office and I was sharing an office with Brian Pazane and was terrified uh. <laughs> like absolutely terrified That's yeah. great. yeah and I remember too I like one day I went to the Hollywood Bowl I, like, would try to think of things to say to Brian Posehn because I just wanted to impress him. Or just to to talk about (laughs) it because he's, like, you know... And if uh, you can make the funniest guy laugh, that's, like... It's a big deal. Or just to talk to him. And he's, like, at first... He's a a very warm, Mm -hmm. hilarious guy, but he's a bit intimidating when you first meet him. Especially when you've watched a show and memorized everything about Mr. (laughs) Show. I remember walking in and being, like, saying to Brian... uh, so last night I went to the Hollywood Bowl and I saw Jamirqui and he just turned to me and went, "Why?" <laughs> and it was just like and I was like, "You're right. Oh, you're right." I was like, I literally was like, "You're right."
0: Where do I get off? Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but that was a really it was
1: a really cool thing and then uh, Mike, Mike Myers just decided he pulled the plug on it um, oh, interesting. after after How like, deep 10. in did you guys get? We were like we had scripts and it was actually going to be a it was for HBO, it was like a weird animated thing that was going to be pretty funny with like um it's gonna be really funny. There were these interstitials, like there were no commercials, obviously. So instead of commercials, we would have fake commercials and like weird mm-hmm. little interstitial cartoons, um, in addition to the like uh, to the main cartoon, which was an each one was a story about you know, uh, you know Austin Powers and whatever they're doing. And it was and it was it was really fun, but we hadn't recorded anything or anything. It was just, it, we had just started writing the scripts, basically. Okay. We'd written a few of the scripts though, and they were turning out funny. And then he, I think he thought it would. It was before Austin Powers Two came out, and I think he thought it would cannibalize the... Brand oh, interesting! So, yeah. It's a bummer because it sounds like it was a great room. Yeah, it was a really good room. There are a lot of like a lot of those, all those guys are still working and in yeah. various, you know, high up places. It's not. It was a really funny room. So. And
0: was it? And was it a room? I mean, was it sort of a traditional comedy yeah. it was situation. a traditional
1: writers' room. We would often split into two rooms. And we kind of broke the stories together, and then they would kind of, you know, divvy up the scripts, and we'd write the scripts. Um, you know, I remember writing my scripts. Yeah. Oh, nice! Yeah.
0: Um. Well, so what a great like no stakes learning experience. Oh yeah, yeah, it was where, great. And it, we also started to job job. get the
1: sense that it was falling. It, like, there was a sense that it was about to. It was going to end, but we still had, like two weeks of work to mm-hmm. do. Which, when you're like 22, is like the greatest thing ever. So we two got weeks. like a dart board and we <laughs> got a fog machine. <laughs> And we what? just like yeah, we just like it turned into like so. Then it turned out to like ten comrades writers just hanging out. Oh my god! It was and it was really fun. That's hilarious. And I had no like there. I'm sure there are people there who are stressed out that their job was ending. I had no, you know, I saved all the money and had no expenses because right. I was 22 and was just I couldn't believe I was getting to do this for a living. So, um, so yeah, Oh, that's really funny. Uh, and then so did
0: Undeclared sort of come through a formal uh, interview process and all that?
1: Yeah. So with. Um, with the Oscar Power Show, I got my agency, mm-hmm. UTA, which is where Judd is, and my agents. And um, and then Judd was hiring for Undeclared after Freaks and Geeks. And he wanted to meet he wanted to hire young writers. He wanted to yeah. make, hire writers that were close to college age. And he wanted me he wanted us to pitch stories. And my favorite I loved Freaks and Geeks. My favorite movies, comedy movies, are James Brooks, Woody Allen like really human comedies. Mm-hmm. That's my, I mean, I, I love Top Secret, I love Naked Gun, but the things I've always aspired to. Are those and like really heartfelt stuff? And so he wanted us to pitch kind of ideas and, and talk about our experiences. And I came in with a list of kind of you know ideas from when I was. It's mainly is just autobiographical sure. stuff from when I was in college, which and, I know that like that's the stuff he minds. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's his like theory of comedy. And so mm-hmm. and so I came in and pitched some stuff, and he hired. He hired me. It okay. was it was an amazing incredible break and i and i would be a working comedy writer without that break still mm-hmm. but i don't know if i'd be a director i don't know if i oh, would have found my way to directing what, i mean i would have wanted to but
0: yeah why yeah. is that what do you think it is about the his training
1: yeah well it it's it's purely logistical he it, his training was i mean he taught me you know he's a huge mentor figure and taught me a lot about writing and you know um and un, while i was at undeclared you know we had a weird seven it was 17 episode order that mm-hmm. like kind of like we, kept, we would write some and then go on a weird hiatus and then write some and go on a weird hiatus. And so I over that course of that year, I wrote a spec script that ended up kind of, it didn't sell or anything, but it got me like meetings. and yeah, One of those um, magic scripts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Starts you know. to open doors for yeah, yeah, and so that, you know, so I certainly learned, and as I was, it was an idea I'd had for years, but w- working on Undeclared, working for Judd, it kind of really, I, I learned a lot, and kind of, you know, it helped me write the script. But what basically happened is after Undeclared ended, I had like, you know, a year or two of just like kind of employment. I worked on right. sitcom here, like freelance stuff there, you know. And then he I don't remember exactly how it went, but he based he got he ended up directing Forty Old Virgin, writing and directing Forty Old Virgin. And then he got a lot of leverage off of that. And I'd become good friends with Jason Siegel off of Undeclared and had written the episodes that Jason was in. And um, you know, we kind of share a very similar kind of comic sensibility, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we both we both are Mostly interested in uh, male-female relationships, you know, and, and uh, we really like when grown men cry. It's like it makes us laugh. It's like so <laughs> pathetic. It makes us laugh. But like that is like, you know, I think like the way Seth and Evan, I think, are mostly interested in male friendships. Like mm-hmm. I'm mostly interested in male-female friendships. Friendships are love or, you know, romantic mm-hmm. stuff. And same with Jason. And Jason had written kind of, a, you know, early draft of Freaking Sarah Marshall. And I asked... Uh, he told me about it, you know, I think when I, I visited the set of Knocked Up, maybe. Um, and I went to Judd and said if I kind of help. By that point, I'd written some screenplay stuff um, and done some screenplay jobs. And I asked Judd if I kind of helped uh, Jason through the writing process, if he would support me as a director. And so and Judd said oh, wow. yes. So that's literally, that's why. Before that, I um, Judd hired me to write. Um, a script for Sandler that didn't happen, but was a good learning experience, and then he and then we, had, we had a good time writing it together, and then we wrote Fun with Dick and Jane together. So that right. that's kind of how my screenwriting career kind of took off. So well,
0: that's really interesting. Yeah, it's, again, you got these great sort of practice runs. Yeah, yeah. Before getting the opportunity both to direct and to write something, but that seems a little more personal.
1: Yeah, 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 and like, um, and I got to direct the th- the kind of movie that I thought. If I ever got the chance mm-hmm. to direct, would be something would not be my first movie. I thought I would have to direct, mm-hmm. you know, you know. I always say "Fart College" too <laughs> before before you know. Uh, it's but hilarious. It's funny. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, so, yeah.
0: Sarah Marshall could have been that, yeah. you know. But you, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about James Brooks and and guys like that because I think people didn't expect to ha- find so much heart and so much pathos and yeah. you know, so much humanity in that movie, which it's it's a great movie. Oh, thanks. Um, you know, how how do you maintain that, though? You know, it feels like it would be very easy... You know, you guys, you and Jason together kind of became these sensitive comedy guys, right? <laughs> right? I mean, Muppets yeah. had this great... I, the same stuff, that same humanity to it. I think that's what people responded to, that mm-hmm. warmth. But, you know, there has to be... One, there has to be some sort of kicking against that. You want to try new things yeah, as yeah. a writer and a director. Um, and also you become so adept at it that it almost becomes too easy you know what i mean
1: yeah i mean you know with each thing you want to try a new you know a different thing which is why i did get him to the greek right after it i wanted mm-hmm. to do something i wanted to do something that was you know in my in in my head at least like had bigger set pieces and was a different not a romantic comedy was a more more of like a hard driving like ins, insane insanity movie you know um and so yeah with each you know with each like and with a, with romantic comedy too like I felt like I had used the moves that I had thought about a long time, for a long time and then after that I wanted to do a five year engagement because it seemed fun to really get into Like the, the frustrating part for me about Sarah Marshall if there was really anything was just that I, want, I really loved the scenes with him and Kristen Bell, the flashbacks and I really wanted to, what was, and the scenes with him and Mila Kunis where they were like bonding and stuff but I, it was hard to have him meeting someone and breaking up with someone and I, I thought it, yeah. it, to really get into a relationship seemed really fun to me um, and yeah, that uh, makes sense. you know, versus like having the more traditional, like I'm meeting someone kind of movie, which is what, which is what you know, uh, Sarah Marshall was right. a little bit. You know, well, um,
0: it's it's funny. I mean, I haven't
1: really thought of that in regard to romantic comedies, but that's sort of all you get. Yeah. right? Like, well, that's the thing. You, that, I'm I'm always like, well, what happens after they've finally kissed in the rain? Like, that's when it gets interesting, yeah. and that's when it's funny, and that's when it gets like weird, and you know, all the all the. Crazy stuff happens, you know, and so I mean, it's why like I love Annie Hall and I mm. love When Harry Met Sally. Those are both yeah. both those movies are like a they're they're about a, two people dealing constantly dealing with each other, and that's why they're so funny, you know, and so you know profound in some way. Yeah. And so, anyways, that so that just seemed like a challenge and an inter, you know interesting thing. And then and then yeah, after that, um, Seth and Evan approached me about Neighbors, and it seemed the you know every movie I've done has a kind of emotional core to it that I find that I'm attracted mm-hmm. to and in that movie um you know it wasn't even in the script at the time but i like the idea the two times i'd had emotional meltdowns were like when i graduated from college and when i had my first kid and it was the very very similar feeling of being completely out of control and so i was oh, i was instantly attracted to that idea and i've seth and i had written on undeclared and he was the only other kind of he was one of the only he was one of the only other people where i've had like a total like Perfect creative experience with you know we, really yeah so like him Jason Segel and then there's a few writers you know mm. obviously Judd but like Rodney Rothman someone else who's like mm. you know there's a few people like that who I've just had perfect you know things with and so I was excited to work with Seth. What
0: like, what makes that perfect creative experience for you?
1: <laughs> just that like you trust you just trust the other person and that you don't have to like you don't have to explain yourself you know like um, and I think that there's like and a, an a healthy debate like. Mm -hmm. You know, you're kind of each upping each other's game constantly. You know, like, Seth and I debated a lot on both The First Neighbors and Second One, um, and there's a lot of other people involved with it, but, like, you know... But, like, but we would debate a lot, but I always knew that, like, we both just wanted it to be the best thing possible. And I trusted his instincts, and he trusted mine, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, Same with Jason and I, like, Jason, you know, and same with Rodney. Like, Rodney was a producer on my first three movies, and he would, you know... Like we'd be shooting a scene, and he would he would turn to me and be like, "We don't we don't have it. We gotta we gotta like look at the scene. We don't have it." And I just want to move on as a director because you feel all the pressure. And he was yeah, like, yeah. "We don't have it. We gotta we gotta." And he would he would insist on stuff. And it's that that sort of like debate, you know, um, like the minute you shut down that debate is the minute your stuff sucks. The minute you stop listening to the audience, the minute you stop listening to, you know, critics. You mm-hmm. know, uh, not necessarily like the critics who write. Rotten Tomatoes, but like critic, like with the minute yeah. you listen, stop listening to your writer friends. As the minute, like, absolutely, I think, and I've seen people do it. I've seen it happen to various peers of mine. Well, know. it's
0: very easy to do once you so have easy a certain amount down. of, yeah. of you know, power or or autonomy, yeah, that to not listen to someone else,
1: to not listen, and to and to misdiagnose problems in the yeah. thing, and you know, um. Well, and I feel yeah. like that's where a, a TV background
0: really helps. Yeah, yeah. You know, is that's so by nature collaborative?
1: Yeah. Yeah, TV is TV is incredibly collaborative, and Judd brought that process into movie making. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I'm sure it's existed in some yeah. form, but, but in, uh, a,
0: in a specific way. Yeah,
1: it seemed like. Yeah, we have a, like kind of a group of writers, you know, pitching jokes and, you know, all of that, and uh, so yeah, it's it is a it's a collaboration. I mean, I think comedy is inherently collaborative. I think like the, you, you know, even when you, I remember reading about how the Farley Brothers thought of the like sperm and the hair joke, and like it was like them. Like riffing off each other and riffing, I think they riffed off Stiller, and they all were riffing off each other. Hmm. And that's how you build these things, you know. It's, I imagine it's like building a action set piece in you know Fast and Furious. (laughs) Like it's not just you know the director; it's the director and the stunt people, and the you know. And and for comedy, it's the same thing. Our set pieces, our jokes, you know, and and set and and our own versions of set pieces, and so.
0: Let's talk about the Muppets.
1: Yeah. It's a good movie.
0: (laughs) Thanks. You guys did a great job. (laughs) Thanks. Um, I want to know sort of the the nuts and bolts
1: of this one. It's so visual, you know, Mm -hmm. and James Bobin, he's another person that I just love love collaborating with. He's so, he is like, besides being really funny, he's one of the few comedy directors who's incredible almost first and foremost visual, like if you watch like Fly of the Concords, I think, you know. Yeah. Um Fly of the Concords is hysterical, but it also looks awesome. It doesn't look like any other show. Yeah, and it looks super cool and and he has this visual sense that's incredible. And his musical numbers are like the best that that exists right now, I think. So um so yeah, so that so so yeah. Okay. That is that's interesting to me. I mean I always think of it as
0: your and Jason's movie (laughs) in so many ways. And obviously it's a, a huge collaboration. Yeah. But um can you can you kind of take us through? And I know you've probably talked this stuff to death, but I want to
1: hear about the the actual writing process. On that. yeah, it was long. I mean, we um so before, right before Sarah Marshall called uh, open, Jason called me up and was like, you know, I just had a meeting at Disney. They asked me if I was interested in any of their properties, and I asked them what was going on with the Muppets, and they were like, we don't know. And I was like, well, I would like to write a Muppet movie. And would you? And then he said, "Would you want to do that with me?" And I was, I was like, "Of course, I want to do that. That'd be incredible." And funnily enough, on that phone call, we very quickly riffed out the like, what basically was the story, no you way. know, in very bare bones way. It was a very like, we were like, "There's, there's, they should be trying to get their studio back. Everyone's wondering where they're at. Like, you know, uh, you know, they have to get them all together. Kind of a band getting the band back together idea. And that there's an oil, there's an oil baron, and there's an oil <laughs> under the studio, which made us laugh. But hilariously, when the movie came out, there were some some. Idiotic conservative blogger was like, "Of course the Muppets are against oil," and we were like, "No, we are thinking of the stupidest villain on the planet." Like, we <laughs> I mean, don't care. Like there's, oh like, there's oil under the Muppet <laughs> Studio. Like, it's as stupid as it literally exactly. was, intentionally the dumbest idea we could, the dumbest villain we yeah. could think of. Um, so, uh, so you kind of had this. I mean, that's amazing
0: that the ideas just started coming. Which, yeah. like look, we grew up with these things, yeah. and you always you have this stuff that wouldn't it be cool if? Do you have a favorite Muppet movie? Yeah, I think it's the Muppet movie. Although I have a real soft spot for Great Muppet Caper. Great
1: Muppet Caper is my favorite. I, think I, just, like I happen to watch it the most.
0: Yeah, I think I've seen it the most. Yeah. I think we were probably the right age for that. Yeah, I like England. I like them being in mm-hmm. England. The, the climbing up the wall is the I will best. never forget. It's the funniest, yeah. <laughs> and that's the bicycle one, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so when you guys finally got together to start hashing this out... What, what does that look like? What does it look like when you're writing with someone or writing with Jason specifically?
1: You know it's different with with each person you know like with Jason um, we you know and we wrote it over two years or two mm-hmm. and a half years because what happened was is there was like a political thing where the Muppets were controlled the Muppets were like I think Frank Oz had a script or something there was like something weird and he was friends with the, the then head of Disney um uh, who didn't want to, like, greenlight another Muppet movie and didn't really understand. Like, Jason's, you know, Sarah Marshall had, was basically, came out, and, like, I think it wasn't really on Disney's radar, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so it was kind of, a, it was a bit of an uphill battle, and then that Disney guy, the that the head of Disney got fired, and uh, suddenly everything happened very quickly. <laughs> <That's> really <laughs> you know? funny. Yeah, and, like, a new guy, Rick Ross, came in, who's mm-hmm. also since been fired. Um, but he came in, and... Uh, and then, and was interested like, liked I guess maybe liked Sarah Marshall, I'm not sure, but he was into our take on it. And mm-hmm. did you and guys then, go in and pitch it? Did you have a document? We How like, it yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember. We started writing it. I mean, right away, we might have pitched out a version of it. And then we have we had a great executive, Kristen Burr, who was really fought for the movie and loved the Muppets. Her office is filled with Muppets from before the Muppet movie mm-hmm. happened. Um, and so she really fought for it the whole time and got it through the system. There, you know, I think it's like any studio, kind of bureaucratic. Um, and, yeah, we like, you know, and it changed a lot from the beginning to the end. You know, we had like, you know, um, you know like uh, our version of the Muppets at the beginning was that, that Walter, we knew we wanted to introduce a new Muppet to kind of be our entryway into it and that he was obsessed with the Muppets. And the idea was that he and J- Jason worked on the Venice boardwalk and J- Jason was a ventriloquist and his and Walter was like a Muppet was a puppet right and we 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 wrote we even wrote a version of the script like that when it finally got to the people who do the voices of the Muppets you know all those guys they're like this is breaks the, the Muppets aren't puppets they're yeah. creatures they, they believe they're, they're alive and we were like oh right okay and we learned all these rules which it changed interesting. you know we had Kermit being a little bit we had Kermit pretend there was there was a version on the script where Tex Richmond takes his mask a, fa- a human mask off and where you reveal it's Kermit the whole time and he was doing it to like get everyone together, to like work oh together, to like to like to create a common enemy, and they were like Kermit would never deceive everyone that way. Wow! Um, so there's a lot of rules that you know you kind of learn the rules of the universe, you know. Sure. Um, and then so we wrote that over two years, and then when they finally kind of greenlight it, green. You know, I knew James Bobin from just. From around. He'd been interested in the script I'd written, and we then became really good friends. Weirdly, we went out to dinner and we discovered both our wives are named Francesca, which is funny. Um, (laughs) That's unusual. Yeah, it's unusual. (laughs) And uh, and then he came aboard, and he started, you know, he helped, you know, rewrite it with us, too, and and Mm -hmm. brought in, you know, he was like, A lot of these scenes need to become songs, you know, like, which I was like, oh, yeah, of course it's a musical. Like, we had scenes and then a song. And he was like, it just needs to be like the introduction to like Jason and Walter needs to be a song. It Mm can't be a scene and stuff like that. And so. And, but that's mm-hmm. interesting to yeah. hear
0: that you did have songs as part of it. Which, oh, yeah. Which totally
1: makes sense. Yeah. But they weren't quite baked into story at this point. Yeah, they weren't, They weren't like, I hadn't, like, thought about it with the structure of musicals, really. Yeah. But, of course, the song is the scene. And so that, so it, it was just repetitive. Like, it wasn't, that part of changing the script actually wasn't that hard. Right. I mean, we would just, like, delete a scene and the song would <laughs> yeah. remain. It wasn't, you know. And then he had ideas, like... His idea of the song, the, you know, everything is great, was his idea. He was like, I want. I think it would be fun to do a song called Everything Is Great, where everything isn't great. and mm-hmm. It's like a very. And he just knows so much about musicals and also about a lot of eighties music videos. Like he's like he is has a weird like he's like an idiot savant about eighties music videos. And we were constantly looking on YouTube eighties music videos, and you see all these weird homages to like oh a blondie God. video from like eighty two. That's, that's like hysterical. Really yeah, yeah. And it's well, why his movies look so awesome. You yeah. know, how many versions of this script? I mean, features
0: blow my mind because you work on this thing for years and years. Yeah. With this, it was,
1: I mean, clearly a different thing because it seemed like it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, At a certain moment, for two years, it was like just, we were just kind of like, is this going to happen? And then like, you know. Yeah. And like, I, in retrospect, it's like, we had way more faith it was going to happen than the, than like the reality. Like if that if that uh, president of Disney had stayed, it was not going to happen. <laughs> like, you know, sure. Well, you know, so. But so, yeah. you have
0: to, right? I mean, yeah. like you can't work on the thing thinking it's never going to happen.
1: Yeah. Well, I actually go into stuff with kind of a more cynical, not cynical, just more realistic mm-hmm. look. I, I basically always assume the thing I'm working on isn't going to happen. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, like just because it's, and I work really hard on it and try to make it happen. It's not like I phone it in but like it's just a so that when it happens or if it happens it's like more of a you know christmas present sure <laughs> yeah. and that's about managing yeah. expectations yeah uh, for yourself but but i would imagine
0: you know having worked on shows where it's not my show or i don't care about it like you have to find the thing to care about and yeah. maybe for you that's the work itself
1: yeah i mean you know i have two kind of like when I, I do a lot of screenwriting of things that aren't, I'm not going to direct, and that is more. I love doing that because the pressure feels off. I don't have to. I don't have to be emotionally engaged the way when I'm directing. Like anything I've directed, mm-hmm. I'm saying something personal, and there's it, there's something autobiographical in it, even if it's like below 20 layers of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's something that at, the, at the heart of it, and each of the movies I've directed, I always. Say is like about like my life like five years ago, like or three sure. years or four years ago, three years when ago. the process started. Yeah, yeah. Like well, yeah, exactly. Or like so, like Sarah Marshall. Like at the time, I was married and my wife was actually expecting a child. But like, it was about like breaking up, which has happened to me like four years ago or right. whatever, you know, or in like or how many years ago. And then like with each one, like you know, like *Gem to the Greek* is about dealing with a celebrity and like. I have dealt with the celebrity, not in that way, but, like, right. it was, you know, and about also, are you going to commit to this woman, you know, which was, like, again, about something that had mm-hmm. happened to you. So it's kind of like that. But when I'm writing something, it's not, it doesn't have to be quite as, like, personal, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: So so tell me an example of that for something you, you've written but not directed and, and sort of how you found your way into it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted were both things that I just loved the property and I loved mm-hmm. the characters, and they were, like, really... They were huge inspirations. I, I I call them the comedy writer gateway drug, which is the first thing you, sure. like, try as a child, and you're like, I want more of this, you know? And then you, like, go to SNL, you like, graduate SNL or yeah. whatever the thing is, the next thing is. So, so yeah, both of those were, like, again, you know, I wasn't, like, in my heart, I wasn't... I, I had never experienced anything the, the Muppets had experienced, you know, emotionally with the, what was happening in that movie, but... I, like love the property and I love the characters and mm-hmm. I loved you know getting to tell that story you know? so, so that's a good example.
0: Did you get, how did you guys find I mean it's funny you kind of learn the rules as you say, but of those characters but were there characters that were hard to find the voice of?
1: Um, Kermit was weirdly hard. Really? Because, yeah, I mean, because I also think Kermit's changed a little bit. Like, when you watch earlier Muppet stuff, he's a little harsher, (laughs) like I'm just going to say, than he is now. And I think that's like the, you know, I think that, like, Steve, who does Kermit and has done it for, you know, for a long time since Jim Henson passed away like you know I think as a I would say a 2% different idea of what it is mm-hmm. you know he that's probably a bad thing to say uh, cuz I think he's no, trying I to channel right. Jim Henson you know um and is sup- is trying to protect Jim Henson's right. legacy but it's you know. also
0: been 20 years yeah it's also, also it's his, his.
1: Yeah it's his character he yeah. should he should it's he should be able to do what he wants with it and he's and what he's mainly trying to do with it is just is is see the vision of Jim mm-hmm. Henson through and then add his own stuff to it you right. know so I think Kermit was hard, and again, it was not like that different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, then, the, but uh, Kermit was hard. Um, I think that was that was he was the hard one. There wasn't really, you know. I think the challenge too was like how to play the will they, won't they, Miss Piggy, Kermit thing because it's mm-hmm. it's been going on for like you know eight hundred years at this <laughs> sure. point. So that was a little tricky. Um, to play with those expectations and also to keep it kid friendly because it's like it is like a guy not wanting to commit and like you know <laughs> we, had, we had many conversations about was the marriage the wedding at the end of um, was it uh, Muppets Most Wanted at the uh, wedding or a great no Muppet, Muppet like, Manhattan. Manhattan, No Muppets Take No Muppets Take Manhattan yeah. Yeah. I mean, sorry, Muppet Take Manhattan. Was that a real wedding? If it was, then should they be married? Should they be That's divorced? Funny. Is that weird? Like, And we had a lot of conversations about that, and then we decided that the wedding was like a fake wedding that they'd staged for a musical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like, right, and know, also, the, it was 20
1: years it ago. It was yeah, so 20, yeah, exactly. Pick what we want. Selective continuity. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that That's was kind of, you know... But, yeah, there was a lot to figure out there.
0: Um, so let's let's kind of talk about TV for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you are the creator, co-creator of Carmichael.
1: Yeah, I'm co-creator. Uh, with Rod and uh, his two buddies, Willie Hunter and Ari, uh, Ari.
0: Yeah. How did you get involved with these guys? It's a um, great show, by the um, way. Oh, thank you, thanks um, very much. And you know, we've talked to a bunch of the writers from it. It's it's fun hearing about how everybody. Is so excited about it. Yeah, like, yeah. The room is excited to write the stuff and to yeah. discover new stories to tell and to write for Gerard and for the whole cast, really. But, but tell me how you got in with these guys and and where the show came from.
1: Um, yeah, it was you know I I first worked with Gerard on Neighbors and mm-hmm. he came in and was I was trying to cast a group of frat guys that seemed you know the fraternity in the first movie is just a metaphor for friend friendship in college. Like I was in a frat and I wanted to cast a bunch of warm. Actors, you know, mm-hmm. like guys that eat that. Because I was, you know, I don't believe in villains and comedies. I don't think it's interesting. And so I wanted to make sure that, like, Zach and his buddies were just like, they're just good friends and the mm-hmm. audience would get, would almost get confused as they watch the movie as to whose side they were on you. Know? Um, and That's Gerard a great can, way to work on it, by the way. Oh, like, thanks. That's, thanks. So that's a terrific way into a movie. Yeah. Uh,
0: it gives it some it gives it some depth
1: yeah it gives it depth and you could feel the audience in that movie you, you could feel the younger people like applaud when certain things would happen with, with frat and the older people applaud when certain you know it's kind of it's fun you know it's a fun and that I tried that like with with um that happened with five year engagement like the men in the audience would like respond to certain jokes in that movie and then the women in the audience would respond to other jokes it was funny. It's, it's fun to kind of divide the audience in, in a certain way um, and yeah I, th- I just think villains and comedies. It was a trope of the nineties and it's like the mm-hmm. worst. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. just think it's the absolute worst um I mean, I guess there's a certain kind of movie that you need There's a certain kind of broad comedy where you might need it but but, uh, but he, so was so. Gerard doing stand up then and
0: was, it um, a or he, was doing, he was doing he was
1: doing stand up uh, he'd been doing it for a while, and he came in and I just like loved him. he was just like really warm, really funny. Um, and i was just like well, i want to cast him because he just seemed he just seemed like he he was just, he just exuded warmth and like he had a, he also has a comic energy that's very relaxed and mellow which you, usually co- comedians are kind of like intense and riffy and you know and he's very like he he'll like he just he play, he under, he undersells his jokes the way he does it you know and and so yeah so i cast him and then you know he's very green he hadn't acted much Um, and I honestly didn't really know how his, he would play once I put in front of an audience. Like I didn't, you know, I thought he was really funny, but you never know. He has such a different kind of rhythm, comedy rhythm. And then he destroyed every line he said in the movie destroyed, even stuff where I was like, that's probably not going to work destroyed. Um, and then, and I also just loved him as a person. We kind of share a lot of, we have a similar worldview in certain Mm -hmm. ways, you know? Um, and for years I'd wanted to do a show or wondered why there hadn't been a show like all in the family that talked about. Issues that are actually happening, like why do n- characters never talk about politics? I don't <laughs> understand. Um, and he had done a presentation, um, you know, the year earlier. And I, anyways, I came to him and said, "Do you want to do a show together?" And he said that'd be awesome. Um, and we started working on it. And his presentation had been about him and his friends. And, um, and I was like, I feel like it needs to be about your fa- you and your family because you, only, your family can challenge you really. Like he's, he's so like confident. The only person that can challenge him <laughs> is his like mom and dad. And so, um, and girlfriend, you know? And so that was the, so yeah, so we started working on it and we wrote a pilot together and, um, and we got an incredible cast like the cast is just awesome Uh, and it was kind of like when we shot the pilot it felt like a show that had been on for like three years Mm -hmm. it was like kind of an amazing instant chemistry thing And, uh, and I don't know I mean there were NBC you know at the end of the day, I guess it was a smart move. They put it in the summer <laughs> and then for over three weeks, but it found an audience very quickly because yeah. I think there isn't that show on right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting that that sort of Norman Lear side of it was baked in from the beginning. Yeah. Um, because there was a hole there. We weren't
1: seeing that kind of show. Yeah, and it timed out too with John Stewart leaving The Daily Show too. Mm-hmm. So there's like not, I mean, Trevor Noah's good, but there isn't that like you know and also when you talk about it's one thing when a comedian like says jokes about politics but when you have characters talking about it you can get to an emotional place which I think is interesting and
0: I I think that's what that show does really well oh thanks so much you know Every point of view is very grounded in in an emotion and a reason for that point of view. Oh yeah, uh, and they whether or not they can always communicate it. Yeah, yeah, uh, is is part of the comedy.
1: And there's also like the other thing too that John and I talked about all the time is like why are there no like middle class, lower middle class families on TV? It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense, you know. Which again is a very Norman Lear yeah of thing, and uh, it gives you other points of views. To, yeah. you know, it gives you like, and it makes like when like. You know, when like when when Joe Carmichael is, supports Trump and everyone gets mad at him, he's like, "My job's gone," or "My friend's job is gone," and like this is and this is he's promising to bring jobs back, and suddenly like it, it makes the debate more confusing, which I think in a good way, which I think is the point of great art.
0: Do, yeah <laughs> do you, do you feel like there's the pitfall of of falling into issue of the week.
1: I mean, how do I mean, you avoid that? Yeah, I think uh, I don't think there is a way to avoid it, and I think it's just finding new ways to talk about stuff. And then issues can also be, you know, it can be like a political thing, but it can also be, you know, there was an episode recently all about depression, and mm-hmm. that was, and that's it wasn't, true. and it was, you know, they talked about it, but it wasn't like a political thing, or right. you know, it wasn't like the transgender episode, or it wasn't like the Cosby episode. It was a, it was a more personal thing. So I think, you know, but I think that's what the show is, you know, mm-hmm. and I think. There's not really, and eventually, maybe one day we'll run out of issues. Talk about, them, and then we'll, we'll stop making them. But, <laughs> but, and it's it's great. There's a the showrunner Danielle Sanchez is incredible. Mm-hmm. She's like, and the writing staff that she's assembled is amazing. And, and so yeah, it's a it's kind of an amazing. It's a miracle. It's a miracle when a TV show works.
0: <laughs> it absolutely <is. laughs> like, yeah. And I don't want to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I want to go back to you know you mentioned you know Gerard's persona is this sort of understated character he doesn't oversell his jokes yeah that's a tough guy to put in the middle of a sitcom
1: yeah and he also doesn't like he, he likes to be kind of reactionary mm-hmm. and he likes to like kind of you know like um he likes to uh you know he's a shit stir basically you know um as part of his character um and and so yeah so it is like it can be you know i think it But I think it gives the show kind of a nice energy to not have like kind of like a hyper guy at the center. I mean, it's it's not dissimilar to Everybody Loves Raymond. Like Ray Romano, Mm -hmm. like he was he was pretty low key, you know, in 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 his approach. I mean, it's they're different in a lot of ways, but I think that that's that's a similarity, you know. in, in terms of their approach. But the set is funny, too. Like, Gerard picks the music for the audience, and the, and the music's always, like, jazz. It's, like, <laughs> kind of, like, cool bring, Really jazz. bring them down. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, everyone was, like, getting, like, including myself, we're like, we got to play, like, music that will keep the audience awake. But then, like, I started to, like, it feels really cool when you're there. You, you, you feel like you're in a cool place. And then when the show starts the audience gets excited because they've been listening to kind of cool jazz <laughs> like, versus like
0: listening that's to really like
1: funny. you know pitbull right you know and like all like high fiving and the guys like doing a, you know the stand up the warm up doing some crazy things rather than that it's like the jazz and it's kind of fun and everyone's like kind of cool and chatting it's like a cocktail party and then the show starts and you're like awesome you know right. here's the my energy can actually go up the, en- the energy, energy goes up already. Yeah, so he's totally right about it i that's think that's really funny <laughs> yeah. it's a good lesson you guys <laughs> yeah exactly um what is your it's also jazz is just better than all that terrible music well sure i just love jazz uh
0: what is your involvement in the show you know day to day week to week
1: you know it it (coughs) varies like the first six i was pretty involved i was um you know i'm not there all the time but i was reading everything and Mm. then for the second season which was 13 i was not around for most of the first like seven or eight just because i was shooting neighbors and editing neighbors um uh, I would try to read stuff when I could, but between Danielle and Drod, they really have it figured out. Uh, and then Drod and I wrote the finale together, mm-hmm. um, which I'm excited about, and I was around for that, and I tried to be around for some of the last ones. But mm-hmm. a TV show is like its own train, and it's hard to, learning. you know... And I'll, I'll express my opinions, but it... You know the thing gets rewritten so many times that like by the time <laughs> I've given them a thought or a note, like it it's already t- turned into a new thing. Sure. <laughs> so and, like, and
0: clearly, I mean you trust the people that you're working. Yeah, in. yeah, it, they have ownership of this show. They do, literally and, and, and figuratively.
1: Yeah, they do, and it's fun for me to get to pitch. You know, like some of the big topics were things I were like, we should do a, you know, like including the finale. It was like we, we were like, we have to do a show about Trump. So like you know, <laughs> so like that's, that's <laughs> you know there's, we just have to, and so that's what the finale is. Um, when is the finale? Um. Oh uh, it's soon right? no it's soonish yeah it's okay. pretty cuz this will it's come in a few out weeks. next week yeah it's soon uh i'll let, i'm not people sure people should look for that yeah it'll be um, in a few weeks it's before june i know that yeah because okay. it's before the california primary because we discussed a lot of we were like is this going to be how long will it be before the, this oh, is dated fun. it's already dated i think because well that's one know, of the problems with
0: doing talking about this kind issues of show. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be dated but hopefully you're you the know, issues, though, Everything
1: works well enough that it'll hold up. Yeah, and the emotional... The emotions, like, when you watch an all-in-the-family, they might ta- be talking about the political figures of the time, but right. the emotional stuff is exactly the same. For sure. And so that's, I think, as we talk about Trump, like, you know, um, you know I think, like, it, 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 the emotional stuff is still the same.
0: So. Well, I feel like that's why grounding it in a family
1: really is smart i mean yeah. i think that's what makes it work and the show, the episode ends up becoming it's not about trump it becomes right. about political fights like sure. what do you, what, what is what what is the point of a political fight like do you know and that that's kind of the that's the point of it you know and so yeah. i think so, that's yeah. something the writers
0: on the show do really i mean the cosby episode is a yeah. good example too it's not about that
1: no no it's, it's about, about like heroes yeah. you know and like i think it's called fallen heroes i think was that one and then, yeah mike Scully wrote that with Jod, yeah. and he's just he's the funniest writer he's the funniest writer ever
0: I'm curious to hear I mean especially since you were involved in that first season more heavily about how what you get from a multicam that you don't get from a film or a single cam show
1: (laughs) yeah I mean when we first started out um, writing the pilot I said to draw. so this this is a single camera right and he was like no I wanted to be multicam and I was like why yeah he wanted to be multicam Uh, I brought the family thing he brought the multicam (laughs) to the table um uh, yeah, he wanted to be multicam, and I was like, "Why?" Like, and I, and I'd been on a multicam that I'd written for a multicam, oh, and really? I was bad at it. Like, I didn't—I <laughs> was not good at writing it. What's and, the
0: difference for you?
1: Well, what ended up happening is, I said to him, "I was like, I'm not good at writing multicam," <laughs> and he said, "That's why I want to hire you. That's why—that's why, that, that's why I'm not hire you, but that's why I want right. to work with you on this. Like, um, because when you watch the great multicams, they're not set up punchline, set up punchline. They're just people talking. Mm-hmm. And when you when you watch Cheers or you watch." You know, um you know and, th- and there are great ones that have the, that have jokes, but most of them most of the great ones don't, you know. Mm-hmm. Even when you watch Seinfeld, I mean Seinfeld's observations are jokes, but it's more just like these, car- these funny characters, you know. Oh, interacting. And I having mean
0: you fun. watch uh Raymond and it feels like you're watching a play.
1: Yeah, you're watching a play and it's not it's the what's really funny is the emotional core of the episode is very strong. Mm-hmm. Um it's not this like set a punchline, set a punchline, set a punchline thing. Uh and so so yeah, so that's why but to me the huge thing about Multi cam that you can't do in any other genre is it's a play and you can do incredibly long scenes. Mm-hmm. So an episode can be two scenes, the whole the whole episode, yeah. and you can't do that. You really can't do that in movies. It starts to feel weird, and you can't do that in single cam. Yeah,
0: that's a um, great point.
1: Yeah, so it's 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 um, it's very cool. And you know, so.
0: have you had stuff you've wanted wanted to write that the medium changed for you as you sort of figured it out? Like something that started as a film maybe was better suited to Oh, TV, you know that I'm curious about that discovery that's process. That's interesting.
1: Um, not really. I mean, I'm, I, I've been fortunate in that the things I've worked on have happened. Like, like the things I've wanted to direct have mm-hmm. happened within a year or two of sure. writing them. So there hasn't been. Have you
0: written stuff that? Uh, have there been ideas that have gotten away? Oh, that I couldn't figure out either for TV or film. Yeah, yeah. that either you couldn't figure out or that maybe got down the
1: line. Yeah, and just didn't happen oh it didn't happen yeah i mean i've written many scripts and screenplays that just didn't happen yeah you know uh, most screen screenplays don't get made <laughs> yeah. so yeah you know including the first spec i wrote you know ne- never you know and it got like it didn't get close it, it was but it got like we had a table read the table read we had for that script was insane like the actors were at that table read were, oh wow and, yeah like and it was years ago before you know but that that it was it was about it was about like uh, boarding school i went to boarding school it's about mm. a boarding school and about a kid that fakes his own death um, because he's like he's like a loser, and you know, so he fakes his own death and then haunts the campus as a ghost, and everyone gets really into him. It's a g- kind of funny idea, um, yeah. And it's a good, it's actually a good script. I'm like, was rereading it recently. I was like, oh, I actually in my 20s did a good job on this. But um, the table read had like Paul Rudd, and not to say any of these people would have done it, but sure. Paul Rudd and Michael Sarah read the read the main kid, and oh, um and Blake Lively, like <laughs> like it was like it was cra- it was a crazy Jonah read a part. It was a crazy like, um, yeah, it was before it was before. I think it was before super bad and hmm. before yeah it was just crazy and then the studio was like nope <laughs> no thanks so uh but uh but yeah
0: and have you gone had you gone down the uh TV route on anything i mean i feel like you must have gotten opportunities either on your own or with jason after sarah marshall
1: yeah i mean you know i am um, this last year I co-created Carmichael's show and then I also was an EP on um, The Grinder yeah. which Jared uh, Jared Paul and Andy Mogul created and it's, it's really their show you know um, did they take I, that to you like as a producer yeah they brought it to me last year and I, I we wrote Yes Man together like mm-hmm. I wrote the we, we wrote together but not at the same time but I wrote it and then they Sarah, Sarah Marshall happened and they took it over and we wrote oh, it I um, and I met them through that and I just love them they're just hysterical and have a really I've re- there's scripts they have the script Hemel that's hysterical there's the, that, that script the D, I mean that movie The D Train they did I don't know if you saw it was really mm-hmm. funny um, Jack Black movie but they have a very like specific tone that i find really funny and they pitched me this idea and i was like that's the funniest idea ever and so we like you know and i was and i was like very flattered they brought it to me i think they just wanted someone with some leverage you know or whatever so we came into fox and and i actually wanted to direct the pilot but i could i ended up not being able to because of neighbors too the writing just was too hard and so i couldn't and so then jake Kasdan, who i'd known from undeclared Mm -hmm. um came aboard as an ep and also to direct it direct the pilot and direct some episodes and um and Melvin, his partner. And so, yeah, and then we made it, and it's really, I mean, that show has turned out awesome. And I directed an episode of it, and mm-hmm. it's a really funny show. So. I
0: mean, it's funny to hear, I don't know, it feels like it fits in with the other stuff that you've done. I mean, it's its not your voice. Yeah, it's their it's, show, absolutely.
1: But it it certainly is like-minded with other stuff. Yeah, well, it. I just, like, respond to, like writers or actors who have a strong voice mm-hmm. you know and I, you know I've been tempted to do there's these TV development deals you can get where you like you know you get paid for a few years and then you like can develop stuff for people but that requires you to develop stuff every year and most people don't have a, their own voice you mm-hmm. know and so then you're just Producing the eighteen pilots a year that that are bad, <laughs> you yeah, know, is basically absolutely. what it is. And so it's 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 hard to say no to that sort of thing. But it it to me it's like a trap you could fall one could fall into, you know, mm-hmm. um, not because there's not there's very few people who you know. And when Jared and Andy called me up, I was like. I am meeting with these guys because they have a strong, hysterical voice mm-hmm. and tone. And who knows what will happen with it, but we'll be all proud of the thing that gets made, you know? Yeah. Um, and and that's true. And that's true with Gerard. He has a strong voice. That's true. You know, true. it's true of Jason. That's why I wanted to work with him. It's true of Seth. It's true of, you know, um, all the people I work with have a strong voice, which is like a hard... Did you have a strong voice out of the gate? Well, How did you start to develop your voice? Um, I kind of, in retrospect, I kind of yeah, think yeah. I... I Uh, it took me a little bit of time but like i i really like movies with strong emotional chorus to them like Mm -hmm. that's and i've always liked them the most you know again whether it be annie hall or broadcast news or you know or you know knocked up or whatever you know and so that that to me is the like you know my the movies i've made are essentially dramas you know (laughs) that are structured like dramas uh and then that's and i think to me that's what's that's what's funniest is when you relate to the what's what's happening with the characters, and you know you can make and there's plenty of comedies out there that you know, you know like one of my one of my favorite directors, uh, comedy directors is Adam McKay. He does something completely different, mm-hmm. you know, and like his and I have no idea how he does it. I literally couldn't I couldn't tell you how really? he how he does those. No, I have that's no so idea. Funny. I kind of have an idea, but right. I could never do that. Like it's like a different kind of thing that's he's doing, you know, and so. So I think like that's you know, but my thing you know, it's it's more close, it's closer to Judd where it's like mm-hmm. this kind of grounded, still with hard hard jokes, still with hard laughs, but but very like kind of emotional at the core. I guess
0: this new show, mm-hmm. which we can kind of talk about yeah, particularly, I, think I think so I think. yeah, <laughs> it's for Netflix, <laughs> it's for Netflix yeah. So we don't have to get into details, yeah. but this is a show that uh, it feels like it, it really comes from a personal place yeah yeah um so i assume you're going to be very involved in this um how is it how's it gonna work like you you said you're putting together a room or you, you're the room is starting soon
1: yeah we're starting the room and it's basically my next movie is the way i'm mm-hmm. thinking about it so it's you know um uh if we're gonna shoot eight half hours uh, i'm gonna direct them all um it's oh, i'm gonna treat it because of the because of how netflix works um it's gonna be a four-hour movie it's not gonna be a you know, cl- close to like catastrophe, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't okay. know if like, a, but that it's more like that than like Kimmy Schmidt, where each episode has right. its own thing. You know, um, this is something. It sounds like it's something that really could not exist anywhere. But yeah, I or mean, something similar. I think that like. Some of my like I think that the as the movie business has kind of contracted, it's left a lot of kind of a it's left adult comedy on the floor, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, um, Catastrophe is a great example. Yeah, like like I feel like Annie Hall would. not I don't know if that would be made today. Yeah. Like you know, if it was if the you know person behind it wasn't already famous, like you know, it's not. Or even when Harry met Sally, it's like mm-hmm. it's depressing. It's depressing. <laughs> but what's not depressing is all that stuff. I think is migrating to television. Yeah. Um. And so. I want to take my tone that I have in my movies and tell a tell a story that is hard funny like it's not going to be one one of these half hour cable comedies that isn't funny like hard <laughs> <Right>. funny <laughs> but good. but is still like about emotional you know trying to get to some emotional truths about nearing 40 and you know um and we're, we're taking stock of your life and all of that stuff mm-hmm. that I think you know people my age are thinking about uh kind of an an adult comedy you know um uh, and also something that has kind of a glamorous wish fulfillment element to mm-hmm. it, not like a grungy show. So, so yeah, <laughs> um, when which together- which can be great, but that I feel like oh, that absolutely. that part of the marketplace is well suited, <laughs> is well right. well captured right now. And I think like I, I, I like watching fancy people do fancy things. So that's <laughs> that's people the goal. People who dress better than I people, do. People, yeah, I like, I like people that. dress people dress a little better. I like a golden light. <laughs> sure. I like I like the book book paneled wall, You know, books right. on the walls on. and like you know eating fancy food. You know <laughs> well, all that. You stuff. grew
0: up watching Woody Allen, movies. yeah, exactly. That's what what he, you yeah,
1: that's what I like to see, you know. <laughs> you know, that's like that was a, in Five Year Engagement it was a intentional choice to hire the guy who did Vicky Cristina Barcelona to shoot, really to shoot it, you know, to make it look beautiful. Like yeah. I wanted it to look really pretty, so.
0: Which I think is sort of underestimated in comedy. Yeah.
1: Like yeah. they can look good. They it's can look okay pretty. to look. Good. Oh yeah, they should. It's a movie. <laughs> or it's a yes. TV show. Or whatever, yeah.
0: um, in putting together a room for this show, what kind of stuff were you
1: looking at and looking for? Um it's a really small room uh they the writers that we've been hiring are older just because mm-hmm. i think the writers that we you know met with who were in their 20s just didn't totally get the material um and we just read samples you know and i think you like and most samples are not great um there are like you know when you have a sitcom that you're making 22 episodes for a network um a sample can actually weirdly not necessarily be as important you know as mm-hmm. like are you good at pitching jokes are you right. good at like there's some people who are really good at just verbally figuring out a story mm-hmm. and like and but for our show it the most important thing to us was that it be my wife and i that's seeing mm-hmm. us um is that the, is their sample so, yeah.
0: that's interesting i mean what as a showrunner what what are your expectations of your staff what do you need them to do
1: yeah, I mean, we'll we'll find out. I don't, I've i never done this <laughs> sure. before. Um, you know, I, I'm going to try to, you know, the, we had a bunch of writers on Neighbors 2. We have, you know, there's always a few writers working on the things I've worked on, so it will be a slightly bigger version of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly, I think, we're going to spend most of the time talking about the story and figuring out the story. Um, the, to me, the best recent show... Uh, was Mad Men and I feel like that show kind of built towards a big thing at the end each each season, and that's what we want to do. We want to build the season. You know, Catastrophe is the same way. It kind of built towards this big yeah. moment, and we want to build the season towards a big moment um, for all the characters. And so that's the like, that's the goal of the. It's not going to be like they're not going to be like. And this is actually something that, like, I think is true on the Carmichael Show. Draw and I talked about this, and something that Phil Rosenthal had spoken about actually in his autobiography, mm-hmm. like separately. But like, I hate B plots. I think B plots are terrible. I think they're yes. death of. I just hate them. Um, I mean, you can people can do them well. I guess I just don't get them. So like on the Carmichael Show, there's never a B plot. Like, anyways, this won't have B plots. Our pilot doesn't even have act breaks. It's like just like. 30 pages. You're really embracing the the lack of limitations. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, it's a different art form, you yeah. know, whatever Netflix and it's Amazon, whatever these binge, binge places are doing, it's different, and I think I want it to be, and I think in movie terms, and so I think yeah. I want it to be a four-hour movie, and the, you know, ep- the end of episode four is the middle of the thing. Not, mm-hmm. the, you know, and it's why we also chose to do eight episodes, not more than that. I think any more than that, it has to become more of a TV show.
0: Yeah. You, well, yeah. You, there's too much real estate. You're we like, how few water. can we make? Yeah. <laughs> They're like eight. You can't. You you have to make it. <laughs> <laughs> Give someone a full day of viewing. Exactly. That's exactly. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. We'll we'll start to wrap up here, but let's talk about Neighbors Two. Um, why go back? Why do a sequel? <laughs> yeah, have you and seen I mean it that yet, about... No, I haven't seen so, it. Okay. Um, and, and I sort of mean that about... Like, you've worked on a couple sequels oh, now. yeah, So why go back to a well... I assume you have something more to
1: say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I always thought that if I made a movie... I, I have a thing with di- directing. That's isn't true of writing, but with directing, I always... Tr- like to do original stuff, mm-hmm. um, and but I did always think if I directed a movie that was successful enough to to warrant a sequel, I would do the sequel because it's just like too it's a blessing to, you know mm-hmm. it never happens. Do you, have
0: you looked at? Well, sorry to interrupt, but have you looked at movies and sequels? Oh and yeah, is that part of the reason that you oh, and I want to do a sequel? Um, like, are there? Have you looked at series where you say oh those two were made clearly by the same person and it's a better Yeah, thing
1: I for watched a, I watched a lot of sequels once we started to just once we all decided to do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand how hard it would be. is like the main thing. It's a really, really a comedy sequel is incredibly hard. I kind <laughs> of thought of it like a second episode of a TV show and it's not that. Mm-hmm. But I actually think them this is not to uh diminish by any means the incredible job what the Marvel movies are doing but I think Marvel movies they're serialized they kind of are a little bit closer to like yes. a second episode or third episode sure. of a giant thing there's, and a, have so big many, story there's that's a big story there's a big story forward exactly yeah. it's different a comedy sequel which I didn't understand and I could do a TED talk on yeah. I would is, love to hear that <laughs> yeah. this is actually this is what I learned thing. this is <laughs> what, <laughs> <laughs> what I learned so everyone in the audience who wants to hear about comedy sequels it like you need to have it's it's. It, I was actually talking to Drew McWeeny and he pointed out horror sequels are the same actually as mm. comedy sequels. I think horror and oh, comedy are very similar. Yeah. That like the premise it's premise driven. So you have these characters people like, but it's not character driven. the The premise needs to be driven by the characters, but the but the it's premise driven for first and yes. foremost. You have to repeat the premise. As soon as you repeat the premise, it leads you to the same jokes. Yeah, and so. Um, so, yeah, so it's tough, you know. It's, it's really, really hard. And um, so what we, what we decided to do is, you know, I, the sequels that I kind of most admire are the Toy Story sequels in terms mm-hmm. of the sequels that are closest to For our sure. movie. And um, I, uh, you know, looked at the Toy Story movies and, um, you know, kind of like looked at how they worked. And we, we quickly discovered that all sequels, regardless of genre, have the same theme. Um, but the characters have evolved mm-hmm. uh, and so we were like we can't Seth and Rose can't want a party still that's not interesting so we want we were like what's the next emotional stage of all these characters uh, and the theme of the first neighbors as we like looked at it and like examined it is like fear of the next stage mm-hmm. so they all have, they all need to have fear of the next stage so that needs to be what the movie's about um, but so Seth and Rose are afraid they're bad parents they're afraid their daughter's gonna become like one of their neighbors one of the sorority girls basically when they grow up when she grows up that she's gonna become a nightmare <laughs> because they're bad parents and the sorority the sorority women who arrive at college are 18 year olds getting to college and they're afraid they're not going to succeed in college that, that they're that they won't be able to leave high school behind them and zach's story is afraid fear he's having a core life crisis he's having fear of like am i going to be a successful adult yeah. um so that's the that's where we landed and the story kind of starts in a similar place and as the first one and certainly you know i'm sure there'll be criticisms of that but then it like ends in a very different place and um and it's about a bunch of other stuff too as we kind of discovered our story like it becomes about a bunch of other stuff too
0: what about the comedy i mean did you purposely avoid retreading did you go left where you had gone right on the first movie
1: yeah, you know, we actually shot a lot of callbacks to the first movie, just because I thought that people, yeah. I don't know, not like, not like, you know, I love Twenty Two Jump Street, but not like that because that's not our tone, like right. not like self-aware jokes, but like. um More just like references to the first movie, and the audience could not have given a shit. Like they were just like, what? They were just like, (laughs) give us a new movie, and like I just cut all of them out. Basically, there were no callbacks left. There was one that like I left in just to explain something, but weirdly, like it was one of the funniest things to us. Like, which is when Zach sees Seth and Rose for the for the first time, and. He's like, uh, they're like, how are you doing? And he's like, he's like, I have a, he's like, I have a criminal record because of you guys. And they're like, ah. And he's like, no, seriously, it's hard for me to get jobs, which just made me like la- Made all of us like la- Yeah, it's funny. And the audience just was like, no, we don't like it, care. but we had to keep it in to ex- literally explain why he's <laughs> seeking revenge on them. Like there was just no, you know. So it's this, it's. Anyways, it was like, really funny. Yeah, it was really interesting. Like, um, so, so yeah. So we basically, you know, there are like, there's, there are some similar sequences, but then it becomes kind of a different mm-hmm. kind of movie. Um, yeah, it becomes a different movie. We do a version of an airbag thing, but it's pretty different. I think um, that's
0: fun. I mean, yeah. it's fun
1: to find yeah, like, and it's yeah. fun to find a new way into a lot of this. To a stuff, like to a, like a set, it's like it's yeah. our version of Iron Man suit, I guess. The <laughs> that, airbag is <yeah. laughs> the airbag that's guy. Great. Yeah, so yeah, I love that. So yeah, uh, the movie is out. What it's May twentieth? May twentieth. All right, so May this week, 20th. go yeah, see it, you guys. Out. And then, um, and then the other thing I'm working on is, is an animated movie for that I'm co-directing and wrote for Mourners called Storks, which has been really cool. So that actually, is very interesting.
0: How is animation directing?
1: It's very. Uh, I'm doing it with Doug Sweetland, who's the director from Pixar, and um, it's been re- great. I mean, I've worked on it for years now, and it's been a really, it's a really fulfilling process. It t- it takes very long time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're you're constantly putting your movie up, you know, yeah. and putting up animatics. So, so it's really the Pixar method too of constantly, like, yeah, constantly put it up yeah. tear it apart, and then you keep putting it up and it just sucks over and over again. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I remember the first time we put up the the reels and it was just terrible I like, was like this is just terrible guys and I looked around and everyone was like oh it's fine and I was like why is, why am I the only one panicking and I'm like oh because it takes like four years like no yeah. one cares so, oh, that's, yeah. I, I cannot imagine living with that thing for yeah. that long yeah you kind of just like it becomes I'll actually be sad when it's over it becomes <laughs> like it's like more it's the closest to like a normal office job I think I'll have you know this industry, so. that's really funny
0: well that's a lot going on yeah. Yeah. it's exciting yeah, cool. I mean Look, like I said, I like what you've done. It's no, exciting to see more stuff from you. Uh-huh. Um, we'll just wrap up as we always do by asking you what you are watching
1: on TV. What's oh, yes. getting you excited or inspired these days? Well, Game of Thrones, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silicon Valley is my favorite comedy on right now. I th- mm-hmm. I love that show. Um, I mean, I, I can't talk about the shows I'm involved with. Obviously, the Grinder and Carmichael show. I like. <laughs> you can love. talk about those. Um, right. But uh, you can
0: talk about them because you're not there every day. Right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, I those mean, the Grinder and Carmichael show are just so funny. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the Silicon Valley, I think, you know, there's a ton of... It's really plotted, which I think is really Mm -hmm. cool. So I love Silicon Valley, and it's so funny. It's surprising,
0: actually, for... for a comedy, even a cable comedy, yeah,
1: can be so heavily plotted and serialized. Well, it's inspiring. I mean, that's what we want to do with our Netflix show, is have it really plotted, because the more plot you have, the funnier your movie is. Like, the more, it's like the higher the stakes, the funnier the comedy is, you know? And yeah. so, like all, I mean, all the movies I could go, you know, even if they don't feel like it, all the movies I've done have a ton of plot, you know? And there's like, they, there's constantly moving forward, you know? And so yeah. like, that's the like... Um, I'm trying to think what else oh we just started watching The Americans which I really enjoy so good yeah we're on the first season Yeah, so I heard latter the last episode was amazing um, but I haven't seen it yet um, we're on the first season it's great uh, and yeah I think that that's these are good answers have, have you yeah.
0: watched uh, comedy movies in the past few years that have really impressed you
1: um, yeah I mean The Hangover was, was awesome um, you know uh, I'm trying to think the Jump Street movies are great um uh, I always like I'm trying to think of other like it's so long ago now Borat was a long time ago now <laughs> like they're all like sure. long yeah yeah it counts though it's you know I know hero. so much <laughs> about comedies that we, often when I see a comedy movie I kind of can, un, I know what's I, I see too much of what's going to happen and that's what I wonder and it kind it. of ruined it often can ruin the experience like you
0: want to be surprised and I feel like that's what Jump Street did
1: yeah and, and like Miller and Lord constantly do yeah they constantly like, surprise yeah the Lego movie was yeah, Lego surprising movies. And funny, and, you know... Yeah, so, like, that... You couldn't see the scenes. Yeah, exactly, yeah, That That movie's incredible, like, a movie. Um, Step Brothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that movie. Um, I mean, my favorite, like, I just re Sideways. Like, that's that, to me, is, like, we need to talk... I could watch that movie 800 times, you know? Or, like, Rushmore is a movie I could watch 800 oh, times, you know? Uh, those are the movies. Those are the comedies. Like, what I love about Sideways is it's, like, this... And it's, like, again, like, we're trying to reach for something like that in our TV show. Um, it's, like adult characters doing you know um but they're but they're big comedy set pieces in Mm -hmm. it you know and and it's but it's really beautifully shot and really funny that's true thank you for being here well thank you (laughs) Mm -hmm. now leaving nerdist.com